Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul gives the incredible declaration that, quote, we rejoice in our sufferings. The scriptures declare that our sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 5 and look at this remarkable principle of growing in Christ-like character through sufferings, trials, and difficulties. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday afternoon here in Texas. And uh, like we say every time, hopefully you are loving on Jesus, uh, spending time with Jesus, growing to be a more devoted disciple of Jesus Christ, our Lord. How do you love Jesus? You love Jesus by by obeying him. You love Jesus by by laboring to have a lifestyle that pleases him, right? You love him by doing the things that that he's asked us to do in the word of God in the scriptures and by refraining from those things he's told us not to do. And, and certainly by repenting, you know, where we fall short, certainly we show our love to him and praise and worship and thanksgiving. Um, but really above all, we, we do show our love for Jesus by, by our effort to be like him, right? Now, of course, this has nothing to do with our salvation, right? As the apostle Paul has made abundantly clear to us in the first four chapters of Romans um, that our salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, right? Wow. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. We, we thank you for this book of Romans, Father. We thank you just for the incredible, articulate, overwhelming truth brought forth and this Bible book of Romans. Father, but above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. <clears throat> um, we are in Romans 5 now. We're beginning Romans 5, and I'm hoping to get through uh, eight verses. So Romans 5, and Lord willing, we can get through verses 1 through 8. Verse 1. Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. So, um, again, Paul here has has really laid out the case in 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 an incredible fashion, um, and he is logically and marvelously led by the Holy Spirit of God. You know, broken down the reality that all humanity is sinful, that all of us are in a hopeless, helpless, desperate state. We need a savior, and we're not it. Right? Without Jesus, um, without us having our full faith, trust, and confidence in Christ alone for what he's done for us at the cross, all of us will spend eternity in hell, right? And so now Paul's gonna, gonna break down some of the, you know, some of the ramifications of really, you know, what the position we're in now because of our faith in Christ, okay? Because we have faith in Christ, look at verse one. Therefore, now therefore is is really in light of everything he's just said, certainly coming off the back of uh, chapter four, but really in light of, of everything he said in the first four chapters, um, and particularly in light of the fact that now, you know, that we're made right with God, not by anything we've done, but by our faith in Jesus Christ, right? Therefore, verse one, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now here is the first result of our justification. Our justification meaning being declared not guilty of sin and we're actually righteous before God in Jesus Christ our Lord, right? There's, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean to have peace with God? The vast majority of Christians, right? Very few Christians even know, Nathan, that if we're not in Christ, we do not have peace with God. We are actually at war with God. We are still in our sin. We're in our rebellion. And the wrath of God remains on us. It's only in Jesus Christ that the wrath of God for our sin is satisfied and that we come into this relationship with him as our father, and we are at peace with him, and he with us. And that's, uh, I mean, it's not something we think about, right, May? It's not something we consider very often. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we have peace with you in and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We really don't understand the depth of what it means, right, Becky, to truly have peace with God, right? Wow. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, again, another result of our salvation, and again, uh, these are just tremendous. Every statement is, 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 is remarkable here. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace. We have access into the grace of God in which we now stand. 
okay? Uh, the importance of this cannot be overstated. We, we're not only saved by grace, okay? We're saved by grace, right? It's by grace you've been saved, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, through faith. It is the gift of God, not of yourselves, so that no one can boast, right? Verse 2, through whom, through Jesus, we have gained access by faith, by faith in what Jesus has done on the cross, in our place and on our behalf, by faith in his death, life, and resurrection, right? By faith and trusting in him, our God, God the, God the Son, Jesus, the Son of God, by faith that he really did come into this world, live a perfect righteous life on our behalf, die a torturous death, and that he is alive and risen, and we are trusting in him. We're relying on him. We have our full confidence in him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell and to go to heaven when we die. Through whom, through Jesus, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We, we not only need grace, Stephen, to be saved. We're not only saved by grace, but through Jesus, we have access by our faith in Christ into the grace of God, not only for salvation, but for every aspect of our lives, okay? Again, remember, grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. It's his blessings that he gives us, obviously in salvation, but in every other aspect of our lives, blessings that, that we don't deserve. Through whom, through Jesus, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Remember, it's, we're saved entirely, Scott, by God's grace. We're not saved by anything we do. We don't help Jesus save us, so to speak. We're saved from beginning to end, right? Remember Romans 1, 16 and 17, right? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, right? Uh, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, right? From beginning to end, we're saved entirely by faith, right? Um, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith, right? That's Romans 1, what, 16 and 17. Um, but it's not that we begin, you know, we come into salvation by God's grace through faith, and then we take over and finish it up. We're saved entirely by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So I'll say again, are you standing firmly today on the grace of God, knowing that it's entirely Jesus? It's 100% Jesus and 0% you, right, Esther? We Are we standing firmly? Every one of us needs to be standing firmly in the grace of God. As I said, not only for salvation, certainly entirely for our salvation, but we need to stand in the grace of God in, in every aspect of our lives. We have this incredible access by faith into this grace. To have access to the grace of God, right, Gwenda, is uh, it, it's a profound blessing that, 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 that we have almost no understanding of. That in and through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have access into the grace of our heavenly father. And I mean, it's a, uh, it, it's overwhelming.
Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I mean, this ought to bring us, right? This, this peace with God, right? Um, having access into his grace, right? Ought, ought to drive us into a, a rejoicing. There ought to be a joy, right, Roland? There ought to be a joy, um, you know, in the hope of the glory of God. And hope here is just the, is like a, a settled certainty, okay? Hope here is not something that may or may not happen, that this is a hope that we we know is coming and we're look, looking forward to it coming and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God that, that, that we will, you know, that we'll experience his glory, that we'll see his glory. And, and, and certainly in the next life, certainly when we leave this life, but even now, even today, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And we ought to live our lives, right, in the hope and the desire, you know, of the glory of God, right? We ought to be looking to bring glory to God, but certainly we, we rejoice, you know, and, uh, and look forward to, you know, standing before him and being, being glorified in his presence. Wow. Golly. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse three, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. Verse five, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, this is, uh, I mean, there's there, there's this incredible, it's called, a, you know, scholars have called it a golden chain of transformation here, a golden chain of growing in maturity here in Romans 5, 3 through 5, right? But let's start out in verse 3. Not only so. Not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Um, I don't know anyone, and certainly I'm not at a place in my life, regrettably, I confess, where I rejoice in my sufferings, okay? Um, and the reason for that is, is our perspective, right, Uncle Dennis, our perspective, Corinne, um, of our sufferings is we don't have a biblical perspective. We, if, if we really were able to, uh, to stand firm in Romans 5, verses 3, 4, and 5, we would perhaps begin to grow. We would certainly begin to grow, right, Tom? Um, you know, in understanding the necessity of our sufferings that it's hard for us to understand that when the Lord brings trials or tribulations or sufferings in our life, either he brings them or he allows them, right? It's, it's one of the two, um, that, that they really are being used. They're, they're an act of love toward us. And I understand there's many who don't, who don't believe this. There are, there are Christians who believe that it's, it's, never our, it's never God's will for us to suffer. There are Christians who believe that, that we should always be healthy. And listen, I, you know, I believe that in Jesus we're healed. I believe that by his stripes we're healed. I believe that provision is made for our healing. But, and, and certainly we desire that and we seek it. And if we're in sickness and you know, we're struggling or we're in disease or we're in hardship, we, we ought to continue 
to petition our Father and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit for deliverance. We ought to continue to petition them for healing and look for healing and stand in faith for healing. But all the while knowing that, that our sufferings, our difficulties, our sicknesses, our diseases, our trials, our hardships produce in us perseverance. They produce in us this endurance, this, this ability to hold on to Jesus and to go deeper in Jesus. So again, I already confess, Father, I ask you to forgive me. I have not gotten to this point yet where I, I, I believe that my life is one of rejoicing in my sufferings, although I certainly have seen the immense good. I've seen the growth in my walk with Jesus. I've seen a maturity that's come out, a growth in my walk with Jesus that's come out of my trials and difficulties and sufferings in my life. There's, there's no question about it. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. So whatever you're going through today, whatever trial, whatever difficulties, whatever fears, whatever anxieties, whatever worries, just whatever hardships, be they you know, physical, um, be, you know, be they emotional, uh, financial hardships, relational hardships, whatever it is you're going through, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Remember, your father won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. He won't allow difficulty and suffering in your life beyond what you can bear. Uh, I believe that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, if I'm not mistaken, um, that he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. Um, but when we're going through something, we really do want to see that it's helping us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And our Father, again, either causing it or allowing it, and as Jerry Bridges says, it has at least his passive approval, right? Even if he doesn't cause it, he allowed it, which means even passively, since he didn't do it, he passively approved it. He knew it was there. He chose not to stop it, okay? Um, and, and we know that suffering produces perseverance. So it's really... It's out of his incredible love for us that our father is allowing or bringing sufferings in our life. And I understand that's, that's hard to comprehend. And I admit it in my own life when I'm going through troubles or hardships or difficulties, really, I just want it to end. I just want it to stop. Instead of, instead of coming through it with a focus that, you know what, I, you know, I, this is developing perseverance in me. Right. And then look what happens from there. Verse four, perseverance, character. So as I persevere and lean on Christ and press into Christ, whatever the difficulty is, again, it could be spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially or relationally. It can be a difficulty in any of these ways. Right, Melanie? Um, as I persevere in that, as I continue to lean on Jesus, lean on the word of God, grow in my fellowship with Jesus, grow in community with believers, grow in my praise and worshiping him, this perseverance is, is developing and producing Christ-like character. And that is exciting, right? As, as I say it, in the beginning of every teaching, the goal of our life ought to be, right, Lauren, to have increasing Christ-like character. Look at this. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, 
and character, hope. Okay, the the more we go through trials, difficulties, sufferings, persecutions, hardships, the the more these sufferings are producing and causing us to have to endure and persevere and lean on Jesus through them, right? And that perseverance is developing character, Christ-like character in us, and there's nothing more valuable than that. And that Christ-like character is, is producing a hope in us, a genuine hope. It is strengthening our hope, strengthening our faith, strengthening our belief that, that, that we really are walking in Christ, that this whole thing is real and that we're growing in Jesus and we're maturing in Jesus. And we're, every day we're a step closer to being with Jesus and, and being in, in eternity in heaven, right? And, and even a step closer into experiencing him in here and now. And that, that hope, right, rap is, is incredible. Wow, Pop. Golly. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us. And hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, now this is a deep deep, profound verse. Okay. As I was, as I was studying and preparing, you know, I, I had, uh, you know, I had not, I had not really studied this verse as extensively as when I was preparing for this, but, but look at this verse, really check this verse out, Susan, get, get a hold of this here, pop. All right. Look at this, Chris. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy spirit whom he has given us. Okay, so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, okay, and, and the more you're going through sufferings, trials, persecutions, difficulties, hardships, okay, this is a place where you will more deeply experience the love of your heavenly father. Now, listen, I'll be the first one to say, I'll, I'll sit here and say, you know, I don't know that I really experience or or like feel the love of my heavenly father so much more when I'm going through sufferings. But look what this says. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. So first of all, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are you experiencing the love of your father? Okay. Because if you would say, you know what? I don't know how much I, I know that God loves me. I don't know that I'm experiencing the love of my father. Well, this could be the problem, okay? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit whom he has given us, okay? God, the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. Remember, we have one God, one being, right? One what, three who's, right? Um, he's one God, one being, three separate individual distinct persons, right? They're all God, one being, one God, three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. If, if you're not experiencing the love of your Father, okay, and you're in Christ today, it's, it's almost certain that you're not walking 
in step with the Holy Spirit, okay? You're not being filled with the Holy Spirit as the scriptures tells us to do, right? The book of Ephesians, right? I believe it's chapter five, tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? So, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. The love of your heavenly father is in your heart by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So if you would say today, you know, every one of us would say we'd like to experience the love of our heavenly father more. Well, how's that going to happen? It's going to happen through you walking in step, in unity, may, with the Holy Spirit. The more you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more you are obeying the Spirit of God, the Son of God, and the Word of God, the more you're walking in line with the Spirit of God, the more you know the Holy Spirit, right? We actually have relationship in Jesus Christ. We have relationship. We have intimacy with each member of the Trinity, not only corporately, but but individually, right? So the love of our Heavenly Father is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Um, so again, if you would say you're not experiencing the love of God today, the love of your heavenly father in a, in a meaningful way, then simply go before the Holy Spirit. Go before the Holy Spirit in prayer, right? And pray to him, you know, directly. And just simply say, you know, Holy Spirit, I, you know, I believe that you live in me. I know that you live in me, Lord. It says in Romans 5 that my father has poured out his love into my hearts by you, Holy Spirit, whom, whom he has given us. And so, Holy Spirit, I want to experience the love of my father, the, Lord, the love of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I want to experience your love and your fullness on a more deep level, Holy Spirit. I ask you to to forgive me, Holy Spirit, where I have grieved you. And I do ask you to forgive me, Holy Spirit, where I've grieved you. And I ask you to help me to experience the love of my Father that's been poured out into my heart by you, Holy Spirit. And help me to walk in step with you, Holy Spirit. Help me to be filled with you, Holy Spirit. And persist in that prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow, golly, wow. All right, verse six, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This is tremendous, okay? Why we were powerless, okay? Completely and totally powerless. Notice it said at just the right time. Jesus came into the world at the exact right time in human history, okay? It was appointed in utter perfection, okay? You see at just the right time when we were still powerless, completely dead in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. There are no good people. No matter how sinful you are, you might say, well, you know, I've done too much wrong. No, no, no. Then, then you are ungodly. I'm ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Okay. Now, all 8 billion people of the world are ungodly. But do remember, Nathan, that Christ died for the ungodly. So wherever you are today, whatever you've done today, Okay, you are ungodly, and that's a good thing because Christ died for the ungodly. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not good for us to be ungodly. It's good for us to recognize we're ungodly, and only us are who are qualified to receive, you know, all that Christ died for us on our behalf and in our place because we are, in fact, ungodly. All right. 
Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. A righteous man here is someone who, who generally does right things, right, with his life. But when it says a good man, it's talking about someone who's, who's, who's not only righteous, but who's also other-centered, someone who will do good for others. So when Paul says here, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, but for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. And again, what's that saying? Is a righteous man is a man who, for the most part, a man or woman who does what's right. But a good man is more than that. A good man is someone who, you know, who not only does right things, but is also other-centered and is good to others and thoughtful to others, right? Very rarely will, will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. Look at verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a remarkable, an utterly remarkable reality. It wasn't when we were good. It wasn't when we were righteous. Um, it, was, it was when we were sinful and hopeless, and wicked, again, which all 8 billion people are, okay? That's what Jesus died for us, okay? Um, and again, that's something we really need to understand. That is the love of God that's beyond comprehension. He, he didn't, he didn't, Jesus didn't come and die for, for beautiful, sweet, loving, caring, wonderful, obedient people. He died for a sinful, disobedient, self-serving, selfish, myopic, wicked humanity. Mm. Golly, Lord. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you today, Lord. It's uh, Your love is incomprehensible. Lord, we just, uh, we honor you today. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. We do thank you that you came at just the right time that you came into this world, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you gave your life for us as ungodly sinners, Lord. Um, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, that you didn't wait for us to be good enough. Lord, we can never be good enough. We just praise you. We honor you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, Again, we ask you to help us now to live our lives, Lord. And when we're going through trials or, or difficulties or hardships, help us in our perseverance. Help us to begin this process of rejoicing, knowing that our perseverance is developing character and character hope. And our suffering is producing perseverance and uh, and that hope doesn't disappoint us. Father, we worship you and thank you. Jesus, we honor you and love you. Holy Spirit, seal this message to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.